time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Bell, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 Fan in Dallas, your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 Fan in Dallas. He's also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And we are joined today by a very special guest. We have Brian Baldinger, former NFL player. He is now an analyst for the NFL Network, Fox Sports, Compass Media Networks, and he is also the Odyssey NFL Insider, and we're very excited to talk some draft with him as he and Jason Locke and Fora will be hosting Odyssey's In In the Huddle uh, draft show uh, Thursday, April 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern through the entirety of the first round, and it's going to be streaming live on the Odyssey app and Odyssey Sports' YouTube page. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, Bobby. Good to be with you, Brian. I mean, you know, it's just draft season. So, um, you know, you can't watch enough tape. You can't spend enough hours. You can't, you know, you just don't have enough time, period. Because somebody else is throwing a name at you or go watch this tape. You know, you know how it is, Brian. Like, it never really ends. <laughs> you wanted to, but honestly, it's just fun. Give me another cup of coffee. I'm good to go. Um, I enjoy doing this. So, um, you know, the, the good thing about all of this that we're doing right here, Bobby, is honestly, there's not enough outlets for all the work you put into it. You know, you just feel like, OK, you want to talk about this player? All right, let's just talk about him. You know, we watched him. We studied him. We have a little bit of insight, whether it's the, you know, combine or pro workouts, whatever. We just need outlets for some of this information that we have. So this is good. You know, Brian, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, you talk about the outlets and. Do you ever go on a show and they ask you a question about a player and they start running together in your mind? Yeah. You know, like they ask you, like, you know, you were a, a longtime NFL offensive lineman and you're probably thinking of like, okay, I've seen this guy, this guy, that guy. And they start to run together like, okay, I talked about, uh, I talked about this guy at Florida, but wait a minute, I meant this guy from Alabama. Oh, yeah. do, you, do you ever find yeah. yourself like going, kind of having to catch yourself doing this all the time Brian all the time and you know what really gets confusing is just all of the numbers that are yeah. out there now whether it's a 40 time or vertical jump and you're like oh that's that slot receiver from Boston College oh he's got the four no he's only oh no the, the guy in North Carolina's got the 40 inch vertical like right. you just start like everything kind of bleeds together you know after a while and you want to be right you know obviously you want to be right but there is like I, I, Brian, this is not new to you, but I remember Ron Wolf one time. Oh, yeah. uh, I was talking to him when he was up in Green Bay, and he was with Parcells, and they were just cutting it up. And I was talking, and I just asked Ron, like, how many players did you study this year for the draft? And my jaw dropped, Brian, when he said, "I studied 800. Our staff studied 1100." My jaw dropped, Brian. I was like, "Okay, 100, 200, 800." Like, and I, you know, he wasn't like pulling some number out of it. Like I believed no. him. Yeah, no. I believed him. No, and and, and it's funny, Baldy, because I worked for Ron for five years. I, I was up in Green Bay in 92. He, if the first guy that he hired, I was doing a, – a, I was known as a college scouting administrator. So okay. I was responsible for all the reports that were coming in. Yeah. And, you know, and nowadays you have some of these general managers – 
that won't go on the road. Back in the day, you had guys like Dick Steinberg, yes. uh, you know, uh, you know, with Ron Wolfs, those guys, they would go out on the road and they would, they would meet the team. They would go out, they would do a whole week of school. And then a Sunday they'd meet the team in the city, do a game and then go back out the next week. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Ron, Ron was one of the, and there's a reason why he's a hall of fame general manager. I yeah. mean, he, he, he did the work. If you look at the guys too, that, all work the John Dorsey's, the John yeah, Snyder's, yeah, sure. the Reggie McKenzie's. They're Most of these guys, teams. they're all general managers. They all yeah. were. And that's because a lot of it because of what Ron Wolf was able to do. So, Baldy, I got a, the, the first question for you. Maybe the most basic one. It's a broad one, obviously. But when you look at this Dallas Cowboys team right now, if you could – obviously, you know, there, there'll be guys at the top of the draft, like maybe somebody like Peter Skaronsky, who'd be great here in Dallas, but is, is not going to reach where they're at in the mid twenties. If you could say a guy around mid twenties that you say, man, if I could pair him with the Dallas Cowboys, I think that'd just be a perfect match. Uh, is there anybody that stands out for you? Well, there's, there, there's a couple, there's a couple. I mean, look, if Dalton Kin- Kincaid was there, or Michael Mayer, you know, I mean, if, if one of those tight ends were there, it looks like a position of need. Dalton was a good player, you know, second leading receiver, red zone, all that stuff. Now, you know, look, can, you know, when you looked last year at, you know, what they had, um, you know, they, 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 you know, Peyton Hendershot, like those guys were good players. But uh, if I could get Kincaid at 26, like, I don't know, that, that that's a good fit. If Osiris Lawrence or Torrance was there, um, you know, Look, I, I I think that, you know, Tyler Smith's a great pick last year. I loved him. I, I loved him coming out. I loved the way he played. I, I think he's a bright future for him. Um, you know, but you'd really have to look at what Tyron is right now. Is he – does can he hold up? You know, because he held up when he came in there last year and he played right tackle. He's fine. Um, if he's if, if he's what he has been at left tackle and you leave Tyler in there, you, you kind of can fill – Everything Terrence Steele comes back right tackle. You you can line up, but man, if you know if you could go get yourself a guard like Torrance right now, like I don't think you'd be wasting a pick by any means. Brian, it, when you, you, you Bobby was asking about the players, and I think that you know you're a little bit when you get past say the twentieth pick. You're kind of at okay. Now we're starting to talk about guys that might be second round grades on your board. Yeah. How when you evaluate and you mentioned these guards, when do you do you have a first round guard other than Skaronsky, or is it like do you have them kind of all together? I know myself, I'm looking at the guys, and I kind of felt like it was like okay, there's two guards, and then all of a sudden, the more you dug in, there might be five guards. But are you going to have on your board? Are you going to have to go earlier on a guard, or you think this thing might stretch? a little bit to where, you know, you have enough names where you can maybe get one in that fourth round or so. I keep thinking Skronsky's a guard, Brian. I just I do. do too. Like, yeah. I, I'm, you know, and look, look, we've seen Brandon Sheriff, Zach Martin, you know, when, you know, Quentin Nelson, we've seen these guys go high and they've been worth it, you know, and they were tackles in college like Skronsky, but you know, they were, they're all pro and pro bowl guards, all of them, you know, and they're at the top of the food chain at, at that position. And, Jacksonville probably isn't Jacksonville last year without Sheriff coming on board. Right. He, he was just that valuable. And I think Skaronsky could be that type of player. But to your point, like Avila and Torrance, I mean, I could put a group of them together. And, you know, you might you, – I don't know if Darnell Wright is – I mean, I believe he's a right tackle. I love him. 
I wouldn't move him inside. I like his length and the way he moves. But if you wanted to put him at guard, um, you could probably do that. Uh, but I think right now, you, to your point, like if Osiris Torrance gets taken at number 34, it's not going to surprise me. Sure. Could he, could he go in the first round? Sure. Could he go at 26 to Dallas? Yeah. And Dallas is, you know, to, to the experts out there, overdrafted positions before. Um, but it worked out for him. And so that's that's really what it comes down to is your belief in a player, and you want that player, right? Yeah, I, I you know what I, I to me, and I I like what you're talking about. I think Wright can play guard, and that's just I'm just thinking about how tough he is, the size, the 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 movement. I mean, you're he right. Mauls, I'm, Brian. I, he just, I'm glad he doesn't block people. He mauls people. Oh like, no, that's what the you thing. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there's there are some of these guards that are all three thirty in that range. But but really really good athletes and so I'm thinking with Wright I could kind of feel that way uh, uh, about him so I, w- I wanted to ask you though uh, about this with the with the Cowboys per se and if they go ahead and address the guard spot and add can you you know they're, they're they switched out the offensive line coach you know I mean Joe Philbin now out you know, Mike Solari in. You know they've got some young guys. Is is that a little bit of a risk, or you think this is going to be a smooth transition if they get the if they get the guard and then with what they've got with the young the young linemen that they have uh, on this uh, current offensive line? It's funny, Brian. I I was in Dallas when Mike Solari first came yeah. on board. I mean, his first job was a backup, you know, uh, offensive line coach in Dallas. That's when I first met him and played for him. Machine Gun Mike, um, he has never changed his style. Um, he's been a very, very productive, successful offensive line coach. Um, backside cutoffs are going to be as important as any frontside block. I mean, just, you know, just the fundamentals of the game. Um, but, you know, you know, Mike McCarthy has come out, Brian. He said he wants to run the ball more and he wants to run it better. And I don't blame him. Like, I, I you know, that's, that's a good foundation to come in and say, this is what we want to be. And if you want to be that, then go get a guy that's been good at doing that and training those type of players, whether it's San Francisco, Seattle, wherever he's been, you know, Dallas. So um, offensive line coaches, look, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing when you change guys. Something, you know, for a guy like Zach Martin, he's, he's seen a lot of the different guys come through there. But sometimes when you get to Zach's, you know, 10 years in the league, whatever it is right now, uh, it's not bad to listen to a, a new way of doing things. It just isn't. It's kind of refreshing. Versus, uh, you know, I know how to scoop block. Yeah, I know how to set inside, you know, out. Like, on, I know how to slide protect. You know, I mean, you just not bad to listen to a different way of doing things. Baldy, when you look at the uh, the change in the offense, you mentioned running the ball there, but Mike McCarthy is going to put in more of a uh, traditional West Coast offense here. It's, it's you know, they have a, a – this kind of unholy mishmash of Air Coriel and, and uh, you know, West Coast concepts last year that didn't always play well together. So it's good committing to a, a single philosophy here. But when you look at the West Coast offense, and we know McCarthy's affinity for, uh, you know, slant flat concepts and some of the timing-based routes that are going to be involved there, when you look at the receivers that could be there in the first, second round, is there a guy that you say, man, that's a match for some of these West Coast concepts that they're trying to get into place here? Well, you could say now. Look, Brandon Cooks comes in, and you know, we Brandon's been very, very, you know, uh, productive in this business a long time. 
But, you know, if you look at Quentin Johnston at a TCU, I mean, to me, you talk about X, you know, your, your West Coast lineup, right? You got your X, you got your Z, you got your Y, right? I mean, that's kind of like the basics of the whole offense. And who's your X right now? Is it Brandon Cooks? Because, you know, CD is, is – he's your Z, he's your move guy. But you can move him around. But it just looks like – and, and I, I'm not down on Michael Gallup. And maybe he was just hurt, but – he didn't do much for me last year as a route runner, sure. as a guy that fought for the ball. Like, I didn't see Michael Gallup step up last year. Now, you know, maybe the second year after the ACL, you know, maybe he comes back and he's a different player. But I watched Quentin Johnston, and I go, how many true X receivers are in this draft? I see a lot of Zay Flowers and Josh Downs. I see a lot of those players, Jordan Addison, that can be in the slot, that, that can do what CD does. I don't see just a true X. To me, that's what Quinton Johnson is. And I like a guy that can go get it, win jump balls, red zone. So that if you're asking me, that that'd be a guy that would fit this offense. Man, I think you're absolutely right about that, Baldy. The problem if you if by the way, in all your studies, if you could figure out the five nine, one eighty-two <laughs> wide receiver, just send him to Bobby and I down the road because <laughs> yeah. that's that's I think that's what this draft is gonna be about, especially at wide receiver. You know, we yeah. don't have Chase and Jefferson and no. Lamb and those kinds of guys. You know, and, and again, I'm, I'm coming from the Ron Wolf uh, way of scouting. If well, you were there. Thought, I mean, Brian, honestly, you were there with Sterling Sharp. There was oh, no, yeah. No, Sterling better. Sharp was, you know, you could like, my man could catch BBs in the dark, Sterling I Sharp. I mean, I used to wear those neoprene gloves, those scuba yeah. scuba gloves, and, and Favre would throw it and it would go boom. Thump, thump, thump. I, that's all I ever heard hanging around Sterling. You also Sharp. could put him at strong side linebacker and he'd blow up. Yeah, that team. that man was mean. He was yeah. a mean, <laughs> a mean man. Yeah. But but the thing about it is though, I mean, I I'm I'm really struggling with the the shorter wide receiver. And I'm trying to and I'm and I'm being a coward. I'm gonna be honest with you, Brian. I'm a coward because I'm putting them all kind of in the same same group. Yeah. And if they get picked out of that, I'm like, fine, you know, but I'm one of those guys that's kind of sitting the old crusty scout guy, and I'm like going, good, keep taking him, keep taking yeah. him. Keep. Eventually, my Quentin Johnston's going to get to me that's got right. a little bit of that length and a little bit Look, of that I mean, I, I was watching Josh Downs at North Carolina. I mean, he's a great route Good runner. player. He's, you know, good he's player. a really good player. Great vertical and all that. Yeah. He's, just, he's what you're describing. And I said you know, to another one of our scouts, NFL Network, and I said, is there a difference between Josh Downs and – and, you know, uh, Jordan Addison right now. I mean, what's sure. the difference? Yeah. Like, I I mean, I, so, you know, and then you get to Jalen Hyatt and you get to that, you know, just a, a straight kind of a speed burner type guy. Um, I just don't see that X outside of Quinton right now. And I'm not going through the whole list of receivers, but if you're talking at the top of the draft, top, you know, 40 selections, like I don't see a lot of those guys in the top 40. No, you're absolutely right. Baldy, when uh, last question here for you before we uh, let you go, and we appreciate you jumping on with us. One of the names that is causing a lot of uh, heated debate here in Dallas, somebody that Brian and I have talked about a lot, somebody Brian and I are huge fans of. I think Brian and I both agree. If you're going to just say in a vacuum who is the number one player in this draft, I think Brian and I both have Bijan Robinson from Texas at the very top. I, I think he's absolutely fantastic. There's a little bit of Cowboys fan PTSD after paying Ezekiel Elliott and things not going so great there afterwards. There's a lot of people say you can't draft a running back in the first round anymore. If Bijan Robinson somehow slid down to Dallas's range, which I think is unlikely, but not the most impossible thing you've ever heard, 
if Bijan slid down to 25 and he's there, are you running that card to the front? Or, or do you think, man, that's that's just not the value anymore as running backs in the first round? Well, they don't have a healthy running back right now. So let's just yeah. start there. I mean, I mean, I don't know where Tony's at in his, you know, rehabilitation, but they don't have a healthy running back on the team. So they want to run the ball in with who? So I would say, honestly, if Bijan slipped past, I don't know, Seattle at 20. Hmm. I mean, I if I was Jerry, you know, and I was part of that staff, like I might make a few phone calls to go to go get him because he's a splash player. Like, you know, he's <laughs> – you know, I mean, he's just – he's special. He's special. Yeah, yeah. And you, if you could pair him with Tony um, in any combination that you want, you you basically have that position fixed. And then you just go, okay, let's – let's we got an offensive line coach. Let's run the ball. Let's make this the foundation, play action. I just think life would be a lot easier um, for Dak at this point. Baldy, I know uh, – real quick, I, I know – and, again, we appreciate your time mm-hmm. – I know you're still in that Philadelphia area. I know you're close to those people. What you just said, I don't need you to go talk to Howie about at all. Okay. (laughs) If Howie, if you see that, if you see that area code pop up on your phone and you know it's Howie, I don't need you to have this conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, believe you know, listen, I I, I'm gonna walk a minefield to try and get him to 26. All right. But I I might be I might be the old crusty guy here again. But I, I am going to try my best to get the best player on the board to get to me at twenty six. Well, here's the I'm deal, Ryan. The Eagle yeah. fans feel the same way at ten. Oh, I see. They it don't all want the time. Skaronsky. They don't want. I they see. don't want an offensive lineman. They, no, like, oh, you know, no. just they, you know. So they they want Bijan. I mean, that's 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 who they want. I used to like when I worked in Philadelphia the one year for in 1998, we had that draft where Trey Thomas and yeah. all that and Philly and all. And I, and I, that point on, I thought here, I'm doing the best I can for Philadelphia right now. I do not, if they take that guy, if they take Bijan Robinson, I will say, you know what they, they, this is a smart drafting department here. Yeah. These guys are smart doing that. So, uh, but hopefully departure. Howie's not smart. I don't need it, Howie to be smart this time. It, it would be <laughs> a big <laughs> departure. Brian, yeah. I'm not going to say it's, you know, it, it can't be done, but it would be a big departure yeah. from what Howie has done over the last, you know, decade. Yeah, he's plus. done a great job. He really has. He really Odyssey has. NFL insider Brian Baldinger. You can follow him on Twitter at Baldy NFL. And again, the Odyssey's inside yeah. the huddle or in the huddle with Brian Baldinger and Jason Lock and Four. They're going to be doing live draft coverage the entire first round. That's Thursday, April 27th, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's going to be streaming live on the Odyssey app and Odyssey Sports' YouTube page. Baldy we'll be down. coming to you live, guys. We'll be coming to you live. Live. The pick. All right, so <laughs> get ready. Get ready for some excitement. We're, we're all ready for it. Baldy, thank you so much. We appreciate hey, you, man. My pleasure, guys. Yep, take care. Brian Baldinger there, uh, Odyssey NFL insider. Uh, we appreciate him a great deal. You're listening to the Love the Star podcast. Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. Brian and I are such big fans. It is a wonderful atmosphere, great food, great drinks, the coldest beer in the Metroplex or anywhere else. You can find it at Boomer Jacks. And if you're a big fan of wings like Brian and I are, you're going to want to go to Boomer Jacks on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's because on Tuesdays they have half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they're great deals, great specials the rest of the week as well. Drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, Love the food there. My wife and I love the pepperoni flatbread. The kids love the tableside s'mores that you can get. And it's a great atmosphere if you're looking for somewhere to do dinner with the family, have a happy hour with the coworkers, go watch the game somewhere with your buddies. Boomer Jacks is the perfect setup. There's 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, great conversation there with Brian Baldinger. And you know, I talk too much, Bobby. I'm sorry. No, about that. no. Look, and look, you you can always tell. You, you can see uh, Baldy. He, 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 you know, whenever you get two old NFL guys, they get the little glimmer in their eye of like, oh, yeah, you knew that guy. Right, let's get a let's trade stories here. You remember Sterling? Sterling was great. Yeah. It's a, it, I love it. It always, well, he, he, he and I are from basically, he and I are from the same bottle of wine, basically. Same vintage, <laughs> same vintage. but it's you, nice you to have him on. And he does a hell of a job. I mean, his breakdowns and all that. I mean, he's a great follow on Twitter. He's, he's, he's got a lot of really good breakdowns a lot, and he's not afraid to say what's on his mind too. I appreciate that about him as well. No doubt about it. Now, Brian, as we close in uh, on the, the, the doomsday clock uh we're what 16 17 days out now uh from from the draft and you get this nervous energy right about now where you're like really excited for for what could be coming and then you're also like really nervous in the pit of your stomach about well who's gonna go ahead of you and and what's gonna be left for them to pick it's, it's this funny energy this time of year but as we close in here in the final two plus weeks or so brian i guess my question for you is what are you still trying to figure out what are, what are you looking at as we close in on this final group that you're like, man, I got to get this position group figured out, or man, I got to figure out this player, man, everybody likes this guy and I don't, and I got to figure out if, if I got him right. What, what is the biggest thing left on your plate that you feel like you need to answer here in the final two or three weeks? Yeah, we're starting to, you know, the Cowboys are still running through some of these uh, 30 visits or unofficial visits. Uh, you know, uh, we've seen some names, with a Jackson Smith and Jigba being a part mm-hmm. of a uh, of a, a non thirty visit, he is from this area, so uh, that meaning he would fly himself in, probably seeing family, kind of saying hello, dropping by the facility. That kind of stuff is encouraging to me. When one of the better receivers are going to come, you know, yeah. Brian mentioned about you know the Cowboys haven't moved up in a draft forever, you know, but. You don't know about these wide receivers. I kind of feel like that Smith and Jigba could very well be the first guy for the wide receivers off the board. But you got to do your due diligence. And I know with Will McClay, the scouts, you know, they're putting together this board right now. And, you know, the the, the pieces of all are there now to do this. You've got school visits. You got the film from the school visits. You've got the combine to help you with the medical stuff. You've got the pro days to make sure you got all your numbers filled in. That if you're really one of those analytics teams that likes to compare numbers of heights, weights, and speeds, you got all that. 
And then you're finishing this thing off with the personal 30 visits where you could take a, a, a kid to dinner, uh, sit down with him, put him on the board, you know, ask him a little bit more about, you know, well, well, why would you have done this in coverage or why were you thinking about that? So we're to the point now where it's really just about the scouts, Will, Jerry, Steven sitting in a room, Mike McCarthy sitting in a room and putting that board together. And what the most important thing is, stacking that board. When I say stack that board, if they have 150 names on that board going from tag one to tag 150 and making sure that they have those guys in order how they want to draft them. And you, you, you've got to be really careful too because you know, you're working the phones a little bit you know, and you're off. Maybe on the way home you give your general manager friend a call with another team that you have a good close personal relationship and you start to talk about maybe not so much players but what are you hearing are you hearing these guys are you hearing this team is trying to go up are you hearing the team might bail you know you're just trying to get as much information as you can as you're building your board because we're going to wake up and you and I are going to be at the star in Frisco for night one of the draft and here we go you know and it, it and it's it's honestly it's come really fast it really really has but you're really just trying to get that last bit of information to maybe help your board, massage it a little bit, but making sure you're getting that that one to 150. What we call the stack, you got the draft board by round by position, but the stack is the one that the Cowboys are going to rely on to tell them what direction they need to go when it's their turn to pick. So I, uh, you know, as we left off the last show, we asked people in the YouTube comments to drop in who uh, they think the pick will be at 26 or maybe just who they're wishing for. I got some of the names here, Brian. And so I'm just going to read off some of the names. I want to get your initial thoughts on them as players. Just, just to, a good or bad kind of a thing? Yeah, good, or, or, okay. or, just, or just give us your thoughts on the players. Um, okay. I'll, I'll tell you who somebody had and you just give us your your quick uh, scouting. Thumbnail. Little thumbnail. Yeah. 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 And what you, what you think about them and, and where you might be concerned and where you'd be excited about the player. First name here, Todd McIntosh says, Will McDonald at 26. That's the Iowa State edge rusher. Your thoughts on Will McDonald? I think he's an explosive player. He's a little bit undersized, but, man, you cannot discount his ability to get up the field, to redirect, to finish on the pocket. Uh, he's one of those guys that can win off the edge, super explosive as a player. We've got uh, Adrian Wells saying, Jalen Hyatt, bring me Jalen Hyatt. Your thoughts on Jalen Hyatt, the receiver from Tennessee. Smaller guy. Yeah, probably going to need some work. He's a slider guy when you talk weight wise, but yeah, but he's he's not one of these five nine guys and stuff like that. The thing about him is he played in an offense at Tennessee that was uh, that played at a very fast pace, running a play like every twenty twenty three seconds. They were on the ball and moving, so they were. He's he's used to playing at a fast pace. He might need some work as a route runner. Uh, that nuances because a lot of his plays are big plays, down-the-field plays, separation plays. He's open a lot down the field. You get, you know, I've never seen a team that gets more uh, busts on the defense trying to defend. You know, They get teams that are tired, out of place. They take advantage of that at Tennessee. Jalen Hyatt was one of these guys that vertically plays very well, catches the ball. When he goes inside, they have to catch the ball. I think he does a good job of that as well. I really do like the player. Hunter McPhail says Darnell Wright from Tennessee as a guard, who we just discussed a little bit uh, a second ago. 
Yeah, I think the thing with Wright is he is such a powerful guy. And when you – he plays right tackle. He's massive. He's a more of a bully than a real athlete. Mauler, brawler. He'll do anything to finish his block. He'll throw his weight around. He doesn't really extend on his man because he's almost belly-to-belly with his guy to gain that leverage. But he's pushing. He's shoving. He'll dive on top of his guy when he's on the ground. He's got a real nasty side to his game. Uh, we got Rick Tackett here, and you can uh, tackle both these guys here, Brian. He says his pick would be either uh, Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid or Oregon State tight end Luke Musgrave. Yeah, I think the thing with Kincaid, and, and Baldy even brought this up, there's a lot of people that that I know when you talk to people in the Cowboys organization like you do as well, Bob. I mean, when you say – you bring up the name Dalton Kincaid and you're saying, hey, I – I, uh, I I I picked him in a mock draft for you. I was doing a show and I picked him for a mock draft, and I go. I was kind of maybe you know I didn't I wasn't sure. And they'll they'll answer you back. They'll go, no, that's a good pick. You know, so you know that's the kind of you're like, oh, okay. But man, this guy, he's a route runner. He's a finisher. When the ball's in the air, it's his. He covers ground with his routes. You know, he can take the ball and get up the field in a hurry. He can avoid tacklers. Or he'll just run through him. He's super reliable on third down. You know, you can play him in line, but he's best when he's flexed or in the slot. So he's not going to blow you off the ball as a blocker, but man, everything else about him, the fit, the attempt to wall off, but the downfield player is super impressive. Uh, Zoltan has Dewan Jones, offensive lineman, Ohio State. That is a, an interesting thing. Uh, you know, when you when you talk about Jones and what his, you know, when you watch him play, I mean, he's super impressive just because of how massive he is. This guy's 6'8", he's 374 pounds. He's the right tackle there. He, I, I thought he might be too heavy, but man, when you watch him, he can wear his opponents down. There's kind of a limit for how far he can really move right now. The further he has to go, the harder it is for him. But there's no way you're going to run through him uh, when he gets his hands on you. It's it's uh, you know it's church uh, in that way. But I, I think he's a little bit of a narrow base guy as a pass protector, and you can see him get a little bit off balance. But man, he is he is going to he's a massive guy, and I'm just kind of a curious of how he is really going to deal with speed off that edge. Is he going to be able at that size, 6'8", 374, to be able to recover enough like uh, you need him to? Jack Kerfoot says uh, he wants Darnell Washington tight end from Georgia. Your thoughts on Darnell Washington? Yeah, you know, with the thing with Washington, I mean, six, you know, six, seven, I believe the weight was 264 pounds. Tested really well. Yeah, this guy, again, athletic ability. He's got offensive tackle size playing tight ends. And I kind of thought maybe if he didn't make it as a tight end, this might be this era's Jason Peters, where you bulk him up and you make him an offensive lineman. Jason Peters, coming out of Arkansas, was a tight end. And so – but Darnell Washington, the the shuttles, all that thing, you know, he is another one of those guys that's a little bit of a push-shove guy. And you figured with his size that he would really hammer people. 
but you kind of see him struggle a little bit with that. But man, you never see him. You know, he doesn't get thrown on the ground that much at all because he's such a big guy and he's a load. I mean, he is a load to bring down when they throw him the ball. He's running. He's a really good red zone player. There'll be several times I was watching Stetson Bennett the other night, and I forgot how many times that Darnell Washington catches the ball in the red zone. Just a big, massive target that I think he's you know he needs to needs to get a little bit tougher on that that run block and stuff. And then this name came up several times. I'll uh, I'll credit it right here to the comment I see here, Robert Valera. But the one we keep seeing a lot, and somebody we've discussed, and that's uh, Steve Avila or Avila, the guard. Avila, yeah. Steve, which, if you were going to ask me today, who I think the most likely first pick is for the Cowboys, I might say Avila. Yeah, I mean it's amazing these names. We're only fine, we're only now starting to learn all the names, but uh, Steve Avila. Uh, out of TCU. And again, 332 pounds. We were talking with Brian Baldinger earlier. Uh, you know, there's these massive guards. Uh, Abula, 332. Uh, Anthony Bradford, 332. You know, I mean, they're all these big, heavy guys. But man, they play with, I mean, he plays with balance. He's got a good pass set. You see, I mean, his team throws the ball a ton. Again, I was watching Max Dugan, and you forget how many times that TCU throws the football. But, man, when he wants to sit down on his guy, he can get that done. He is not going to give any ground. His technique are good. Is good. His hands, his feet, everything works really, really well together for this guy. He's got some power as a run blocker. You'll see him double team with the center and the tackle, and they get some push. But, man, I'll tell you what, man, he could get to the second level a little, maybe a little tick slow at times. But, man, if he can play the scheme, it's more about power than movement. You're going to get a really good football player. So there are just some of the names we asked you guys to submit uh, that you're interested in 26. And Brian, like a beast, just runs through all of them for you there. It gives you uh, his Did stuff. I do good, Bobby? You've seen a lot of these great. guys. That was great. That was great. No, no, I think I think we we largely agree on on just about everybody here. I'm not a I'm not a Darnell Washington fan. Uh, I just I, I that that's not a if guy. I'm telling you what. There's there's plenty of these tight ends though. I mean, the, the Laporta from Iowa. I mean, Kraft yep. from Kraft from South Dakota State. There's a lot of a lot of buzz. If you're a big fan of Dane Brugler, who we've all worked with before, Dane Brugler has Kraft, the tight end from uh, from uh, South Dakota State, as his 51st best player. On his, on his top 100, that says a lot. Man, these tight ends, th th Bobby, they're going to go in that second round. They're going to go just like how corners used to go in this draft. You know, you get one at 34, the next one at 36. There's another one at 39. There's another one at 42. That's what you're about to see with these tight ends, I think, in this draft. Absolutely. No, I, I think you're dead on there. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. Brian and I are such big fans. It is a wonderful atmosphere, great food, great drinks, the coldest beer in the Metroplex or anywhere else. You can find it at Boomer Jacks. And if you're a big fan of wings like Brian and I are, you're going to want to go to Boomer Jacks on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's because on Tuesdays they have half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they're great deals, great specials the rest of the week as well. Drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. Love the food there. My wife and I love the pepperoni flatbread. The kids love the tableside s'mores that you can get. 
And it's a great atmosphere if you're looking for somewhere to do dinner with the family, have a happy hour with the coworkers, go watch the game somewhere with your buddies. Boomerjacks is the perfect setup. There's 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag, uh, our favorite time of the show where we turn things over to our dear sweet listeners for their thoughts, their questions. Let them drive the content here for a little bit. Uh, question from Tim B., is Marvin Mims, wide receiver from Oklahoma, a yeah. realistic option for the Cowboys on day two? Uh, man, I don't know that Marvin Mims gets all the way down to you in day two, but uh, in terms of your second-round pick. But, Brian, your thoughts on if you think Marvin Mims could be there for you at your second-round pick? Yeah, i tell you what, Bob. I, I, I think on my board, I think he's got a shot on my board. Now, we'll see if – but there's – we mentioned this again, and uh, I love the fact we had Brian Baldinger on today because we got to talk about some wide receivers. But where people have flowers, downs, Scott from Cincinnati is a guy that that people have talked about. Mims, these are shorter receivers that in what order do people have? It might be flowers, Mims, downs, Scott. It might be downs, Mims, flowers. You know what I mean? Yeah, and shorter wide receivers. If you could figure out that 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 dynamic, you might be ahead of the game here. But I I feel like with Mims, again, the guy we a guy I super trust, a guy I know you trust, and a longtime colleague of ours, you know, with Dane Brugler, he's got Mims as his seventy second best player. But if you want to think about the young, excuse me, the young, the the shorter wide receivers. Flowers at 39, Downs at 42, Scott at 48, Mims at 72. You know, that's where he's got these guys kind of ranked. So uh, he feels like that maybe you can get Mims a little bit later uh, in this uh, in this draft. Question here from Chris Hodnett. I have not heard anything on this, Brian. I don't know if you have either. But do you know if there are any plans to fill the Brian Schottenheimer, Ben McAdoo type of role on the staff this year? Have you heard any chatter about that? No, I, I haven't. And I think that's something that we that will probably, when we get to Oxnard, maybe might be. Yeah, something. that's a that's a role we uh, like. I remember Schottenheimer. It's we kind of an important role because, and, and they they don't start chattering about it generally. Yeah little closer to the year it's almost like they want to conceal it yeah and i think that's you know but there's been some talk about jerry jones wanting to consolidate the staff and but i know for dan quinn that talking to defensive players over there they loved schottenheimer and what he was able to do ben mcadoo i mean let's if it's not if it's not you know broke don't fix it kind of a thing you know ben mcadoo did a really nice job dan quinn the first year out of the blocks look what the defense did the improvements they made they get brian schottenheimer you know boom look what it does defense got better the defensive players swore by brian schottenheimer and the way he was able to prep them you know where he'd come up and say hey listen get ready for philadelphia when they do the rpo this is how they're going to do it get ready for the commanders you know, when they run this route with the tight end with Logan Thomas and they drag, this is what they're going to do. I mean, there were some defensive players that absolutely swore by what uh, Brian Schottenheimer was helping them with. Question here from Astute Fanatic. Is the change in the scouting department, uh, and then he puts in parentheses, loss of good scouts, the last year going to affect the Cowboys' hit rate this draft? Now the Cowboys obviously uh, lost Drew Fabianich, uh, national scout who had been with them, 
for a number of years. Uh, last February, Lionel Vital uh, had uh, resigned, left the team. Um, so, so they had a little bit of turnover. Um, but in general, uh, I, I still think the Cowboys have a really strong scouting staff. Klein Kubiak is a the guy they elevated to a national scout. Um, Chris Vaughn, who had done a great job in the Southeast, another one. Uh, Ross Winchie was elevated from the West Coast to a national scout. So they kind of just divvied up the responsibilities a little bit between some of their area scouts, elevated them to national, and kind of changed some things up. But I think the Cowboys have shown such a strong hit rate with their scouting staff over the last decade that I, I, I would trust that they responded the right sort of way to, to losing guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, uh, I have the utmost respect for Drew Fabianich. Uh, when I started with the Cowboys, um, well, actually, I'd been with the Cowboys two or three years, and then he came in. Larry Lacewell hired him, and he'd been with the organization a long time. And uh, he, he did a, a very nice job, and he moved on for some other opportunities. Uh, but, yeah, they still have a lot of the, the same philosophies. They still have Will McClay. They still have Chris Hall over there. They still have some guys, Sam Garza. You know, you mentioned a lot of guys. And, you know, that's the thing about it. It's really about the process that they go through and the way they put their board together. But, you know, the, the fact that you still have Will in that in that position in that command position to kind of orchestrate what they're doing, I think they'll continue to continue to draft well. Question here from John. In your opinion, which position out of running back, tight end, receiver, or offensive line would be most shocking not selected in this draft? So like in any round, Brian, one through seven, which position would you be most shocked if they didn't draft a single guy at the position? You I said I, wide receiver, tight end. Running back and offensive line. I would find all of those probably. I think they're going to come out of the draft with one at all those positions. So I'd be surprised if yeah. any. The, the be... shocking would probably be receiver to me because I think they've they've already, they've brought in Brandon Cooks. I think they're going to lean into you know still believe in Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. I guess if the board fell a certain way, I could see them coming away without one there. But man, running back, tight end, and offensive line. I'd be very very surprised if they didn't get one of those. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you on that. I think that they're, you know, we'll see about Tolbert and all that, and we'll see what you know. Again, what Baldy mentioned about Gallup, you know, can I think there was more to Gallup than just the knee injury, and hopefully he got those things behind him uh, going forward. So uh, I think I think wide receiver would be the one, it, you know, if they didn't draft one, but the other ones you mentioned, tight end, and well, let's see what they think about. Ball and well, let's go and Farniak. You know, mm. that I mean, that might be something that we're not totally thinking of right now, but Chuma Idoga, yeah, and Adoga, yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, so I, I, I kind of feel like that, that uh, all those positions, the a position that I, I could see them not even looking at, I wonder if they're going to look at edge would be one that I, you know. Now, and I, I say that, but let me let me give you a name. Let me give you a name of, of a guy. Earl Johnson from Liberty, okay? And he is a guy, 6'3", 251. I watched him last night, okay, from Liberty because I'm hearing whispers this was a 30-visit guy. And I didn't know a whole hell of a lot about him. But I got a tip to watch this guy. And sure enough, Liberty 
edge rusher maybe a little bit later in the draft. I put him myself in the fifth round. And so he's kind of in that mode uh, where, you know, all of a sudden you you got an opportunity and maybe you picked up a pick along the way or whatever. And But keep an eye, idea on Duriel Johnson, a, a edge from Liberty. Worth your time to take a peek at if you can. Question from Doc. Who should we be talking about at 26 that we aren't and how would they impact the team? So, okay, I mean, it's it's tough, I think, to just uh, – generally, I think we're talking about everybody who would be in contention around that pick. It's, it's tough to just completely not have any chatter. If you want to say maybe somebody who there's been a little – you know, maybe there's not been enough chatter about uh, and not that it's necessarily likely – uh, Brian, I'll throw out the name Drew Sanders. I don't think there's been enough discussion yeah. of the possibility of Drew Sanders here. Um, not that that's likely, but I mean, there. Who knows if there's a, a time where he might be the topic? Also, with with their targeting of tight ends, I know everybody keeps throwing out Kincaid and Mayer at the top. I just think it's still worth watching to see that Musgrave could be in that same group for them. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think you're onto something. I'm going to throw a position at you that would shock me if they drafted it, but maybe the value of the player, and I might be way off on the, on what the player is, but Brian Branch from Alabama, the safety. I like Branch. And, okay, he can play slot. He can play back. He can play up. He's a guy that's a really good tackler. He, he plays the what they call the star position at Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a really, really good tackler. If – if you're going to mention a guy, a position we haven't talked about at all, keep an eye on Brian Branch. I mean, it would be it would be like, whoa, that was that was the that was the curveball that we got, you know, right there. But he he's likely the first safety off the board, and there's talk that he might go earlier earlier than where Dallas is picking at 26. But if he somehow got to you at 26, I wonder if they would consider drafting because I kind of feel like, you know, the safety position is something that you're you're in a little bit of flux with when you're talking about how many years guys left have left on contracts and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe, maybe Brian Branch safety from Alabama, if it got to it and maybe he might be in the mix. That's Brian Branch corner from Alabama, by the way. Uh, I, I play Brian Branch uh, at safety myself. <laughs> you know what? I would just trust whatever Joe Witt and Dan Quinn wanted to do with him. If he got here, I would just well, blindly trust however they'd want to put him out there, to be honest. And, well, and, uh, and I'll tell you I what, mean, our guy, our guy uh, Overshone from uh, from Texas, I've, I've heard that they might be looking at him as an edge instead of as a, a linebacker. He is somebody who can have an impact at all three levels of the defense. He's exciting and intriguing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Very raw. And you're going to have to. He's an outside linebacker. He's an outside linebacker that's got some some size to him. Let me get you exactly what. Outside linebacker who transitioned from safety and now they think he's an edge. Right. Right. He's 6'3". He's 229. I wonder if they kind of feel like they could put some weight on him, that he can maybe be a guy that might be like that. Like Micah Parsons, kind of a player, a linebacker, edge, kind of a, a rusher, but he's a he's a he's a guy that I know that might be tinkering with a little bit on his position. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Brian Baldinger for stopping by and joining us. Uh, a lot of great insight there. 
And uh, we will be back with you guys again later this week. Until then, we'll talk to you later.